a royal farewell for the king of car parks as Prince Charles, William, Camilla, Sophie Wessex, and Shirley Bassey dress in their finery for the memorial service of NCP boss Sir David Gosling, 90, who left 50 million pounds in his will to buy the royal family a new yacht. <laughs> this is the most wow. class-cucked country Jesus. on the face of the fucking planet. I love the idea of just like them them showing up to their second ever car themed funeral. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um what happened is Sir Donald and his business business partner Ronald Hobson became Britain's most successful entrepreneur. Wait, Donald and Ronald. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was a front for the clown Ronald McDonald. Yeah, just, just every Ron- NCP car park is just a front for McDonald's. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Ronald McDonald became two of Britain's most successful entrepreneurs, setting mm. up a company which became the NCP in 1948 with just 200 pounds between them, which was like 100,000 pounds in today's yes. money. Yeah. And a, and a Wait, plan- hang on, when was this? 1948. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that was that much money, but with a, pl- okay. with a plan to turn a wartime bomb site in central London into a car park. <laughs> mm. So a but company that's made all of the misery. Yeah, a company that's made er- mu- everything appreciably much worse. Everyone hates interacting with them. Uh, mm. It just mm. dismal. Everything is like in every second street is a giant concrete rain slick slab of despair. Like if 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 you wanted to see Marx's theory of primitive accumulation basically in real time, yeah, then the mm. guy who just claimed a bunch of like bombed out land in central London to buy a second gold boat for the family of Prince Andrew. All every single person running or against Jeremy Corbyn today has looked at that particular that just that series of events and said, ah. Can't get rid of that though. Yeah. What if it destabilizes things? I just love like well, apart from of course, uh, Gibbo, Ricey, Cheeks, Morty, and Josh, uh, who lads. are fully yeah, who are fully on board with getting rid of it. Yeah, I, I find it's one of those things where you just look at it and you're like, that I'm just imagining that what the bloke who owned and set up national car parks was like, mm. and I imagine him as this kind of like grubby East End wheeler dealer type, wearing like a number of gold chains. Who like just the thought of like the royals having to hang out with him and like respect him because he's give- giving them the money for a new boat is extremely funny. It's like cucking the royals because like for years, you know, they could just like get all their money from just like being the royal family and being like we own you, surf. But then now they have to like hang out with like dodgy Ronald and dodgy Donald because. <laughs> Because they need they need some of their dirty car park money to well, finally fund their what, new fancy boat. What is aristocracy but dodgy car park Ronald plus time? Uh, <laughs> mm. Like and this then, is this, the Earl of Warwick was just the dodgy car park guy of his day. Mm. In many ways, Richard III was returned to dodgy car park. Yes. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the election day special of Trash Future, and boy are my arms tired. Uh, it's Riley. <laughs> mm, from voting. Yeah, from, I actually get to vote twice, because I've got someone's proxy. <laughs> because Riley is uh, working for his handlers in Moscow. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm also joined by uh, Milo. Uh, hello, it's me, your boy, uh, 
I'm emotionally spent. I've I've nothing more to give. Uh, I, I know, I've just I, everything now is just a blur. I'm just looking at things, like seeing watching the Labour campaign ads last night, and then watching that fucking mess that the Tories did with Love Actually shit about getting Brexit done. I was just like, how how is this even a contest? I yeah. don't even understand how you could vote for for Boris. But I think it's just, you know, uh, there are a lot of people in this country who want things to get dumber and faster. And in a way, I respect that. And uh, Alice. Yes, what's up? Full desert of the real. I have been feeling like uh, the video for Talking Heads once in a lifetime for the last week, and it's only going to get worse. We're all wearing gigantic suits. Yes. Uh, We're all getting projected on us. And you may find yourself in a beautiful polling station. (laughs) Um, personally I like one of the things I'm really enjoying is that okay my theory is that every British conservative um, is exists on a poll or every male British conservative exists on a poll somewhere between um, David Brent and Alan Partridge that's and true. That's that's. Yeah. But I, I swear though, that's kind of like they're both on one end of the spectrum. <laughs> no, no. <it's, laughs> well, they, those are two very similar characters you've picked out there. <laughs> no, uh, David, because David Brent is, um, David Brent is much crueler than Alan Partridge, who's that's just a true. coward. But you know what it is, though. The mm. entire we've seen the entire establishment media uh, of this country believe themselves to be either Jeff Newsroom or Malcolm Tucker, and instead, they're all Alan Partridge. <laughs> oh, oh, I've got... Mm. I, I did want to say that um, Boris Johnson has finally completed his transformation into Alan Partridge when he drove a JCB marked getting <laughs> Brexit done through some boxes marked gridlock. Mm. to AP. That's the only thing. Uh, oh, damn. Uh, that might actually be more David Brent. Like, Alan, <laughs> Alan Partridge would be having to commentate on that and pretend it wasn't insane and just going like, oh, yeah, uh, we're having a fantastic day here down at the uh, the Cotley Village fight. Uh, fantastic to see. I, I see that. I see Alan Partridge as the, as the sort of someone who is both very cynical about um, every, every person he perceives as beneath him, mm. but also mm. extraordinarily insecure to the point that yes. he is... Yes, that's He's the, like, the insecurity is the common yeah. factor between those yeah. two characters. They both and, have the desperate need to be loved. But but Alan Partridge is so cynical about the people around him that he always is way too literal. Yeah. Well, actually, the most the most Tory. I mean, Alan Partridge would absolutely be a Tory and would absolutely be a Brexit guy. But I think the thing about Alan Partridge that most sums up like the current incarnation of Tories is there's this scene in the second series where he's having a business meeting in the lounge of his country club, which he's hired purely for the purposes of seeming fancy to business meeting people. And then uh, he notices that there's like a woman in there with her like six year old son, and he doesn't like the fact that there's a six year old child in the room while he's having this meeting. So he calls over one of the waiters, and he goes. Uh, I think there's a, there's a chap over there uh, in controversial of the rule about no jeans in the bar. And then the waiter looks over and looks skeptically back at Patrick and goes, chap of about six. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the waiter goes over and like ushers the child and his mother out. And then Alan shouts after them, get you on the old jeans rule, did they? Nazis, but with excellent facilities. As had the Nazis. Um, and I think that sums up like the full gamut of Tory psychopathy in mm. one simple exchange of dialogue indeed it does but uh i want i want to go back to uh something alice said about um how uh, go back to things i said all Uh, the uh we're going right back to it they're always Uh, so correct in Um, in this the the chaos configuration of trash future (laughs) Mm, indeed um where uh 
Uh, Someone's or- getting libeled by the end of this. <laughs> Someone already has, almost. Yeah, Damn. we in, just in a version so of- many cuts. We're going to sound like the the Homer Simpson hostile interview. I, 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 I can. Yeah, if you're wondering, if you're wondering uh, who's been libeled, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> the girl uh, reading this. Yeah. Oh, how about this? Yeah. How about this? Uh, we're going to have a, a new Patreon tier where. If you donate per month the amount of money for which you are going to sue us, we will libel you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, the okay. Carter Ruck tier. Delightful. I want to go back to something Alice said, uh, which is that uh, a lot of the um, political media have imagined themselves to be yeah, either like a Jeff Newsroom, uh, sort of cutting through the bullshit Report or what have you. goddamn mm. news. Uh, and this is mm. a... Um, I want us to remember, uh, if we can... February to March, uh, oh, March-ish of that, this that, year. That's a stretch. This week is... Oh, boy. Mm. Remember March? No, no, I don't. Lousy I... March weather. <laughs> <laughs> this is from an article written by Jonathan Friedland in The Guardian. Oh, God. No, there, not today. <laughs> there are endless ways to write off the effort of Change UK to chart the many routes that will take it to failure, yes. and yet none of them convinces me fully, despite everything. <laughs> well, then you're a fucking idiot, aren't you, Jonathan Friedland of six months ago, and I presume, well, nine months ago, and I presume still Jonathan Friedland of now. Uh, mm. Despite everything, the possibility remains that this move by a handful of MPs can amount to something, even something big. Just the vagueness of that particular prediction. What could it be? Something? Perhaps we're, even something mm. big? We're not going to talk about the polls at all this episode because no. I can't. I'm, I just won't. Our, our but brains except, would melt out of our ears. Except mm. for these three polling facts. Angela Smith is down by 35%. Chris Leslie is down by 47%. And Mike Gapes is down by 54%. Damn. The thing is, you take your uh, Labour voters... And then your disgruntled independent voters, and you mix them together with the milk. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, if Mike Gates was down by fifty-four percent in real life, he'd be close to resembling a normal human. <laughs> I was going to say, all right, all right, Jackal and Frayne Reed. Mm. Um, mm. So, uh, so yeah, um, all these uh, we we changed, we changed it. And, you we know, did. I mean, the the ones that went on and barnacled on to other parties, like the you know the Lib Dems specifically, you know, they're doing fine. Other ones like understood that their probably their political goose was cooked and it was time to like mm. leave politics except Angela Smith, Chris Leslie and Mike Gapes they were like yes I'm With pretty, some, I'm pretty some sure some doomed combination of either wanting to keep uh, a few more expenses claims or in Mike Smith's case based entirely on his twitter output uh like a genuine belief self-belief that he's going to win this thing and that people are sticking around, not for the Labour Party mm. in Ilford South, but for that Gapes experience. They're the Gapes gang. Damn, the yeah. three bluster tears of <laughs> politics. I, like, I feel like in many ways what Change UK, and I don't know if that, that is what they saw themselves as, but what they've served to be in the end is as a kind of like comic relief from like the unremitting yes. horror that They're is modern Britain. finally story. Yeah, what they are is they're they're like the drunk night watchman scene in Macbeth. So uh, that in between all the murders, there's like a little chuckle, yeah. like oh yeah, well you know the Tories are going to institute sort of authoritarian rule and you know kill disabled <laughs> people and whatever. But like look at look at these fucking jokers, yeah, jing- <laughs> literal clowns in Congress, jingling miserably across the floor of the House of Commons, mm. calling everyone nuncle and then getting owned mercilessly within <laughs> nine months. <laughs> Damn. So like no matter what happens. Uh, today when this comes out um you know what uh 
uh, Angela Smith and Chris Leslie are going to go need to work for a PR that's, firm. That's true. Mike, we we Mike. will keep one eye on Ilford South, yeah. uh, the count there. That is our promise to you when we live stream this. Mike, yeah. uh, this Mike, 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 Mike Gapes was never seen again, but then there is a lonely, a lonely figure cutting <laughs> a, a, a swath across the Ilford churchyard yeah. who can be seen <laughs> howling and singing mournfully mm. into the night. Oh, it's incredible. But the, the depressing thing is, of course, that like this isn't the end of these people's careers. It's no, the end of their of careers as, as an MP. They will now all just be absorbed into our fucking columnist class. And they won't even absorbing. be the dumbest ones because these people are dumb, but they're not as dumb as most British newspaper columnists, that's, which that's is true. like a special level you have to get uh, to. I mean, did did just... you see Angela Smith's video that she put out? Yeah, her but, outsider art. Yeah, because they, like all of these people bet that they could uh, win without the resources that they were taking for granted from particularly the Labour Party, and it turns out that the Labour Party is actually quite good at making videos that make people want to vote for it, and Angela mm. Smith isn't. Uh, oh, well. You yeah. know what? Hey, you live and you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this case, uh, yeah, they, I, those two. So you know, good luck to Angela Smith and Chris Leslie and whatever sort of overpaid influence peddling uh, PR job you end up in. Uh, good luck. To- <laughs> they start doing like Herbalife. <laughs> yeah. Good, good luck to Mike Gapes as a Herbalife associate. <laughs> Damn. Well, he could go. He could go and join Tom Watson on the level two gym instructor course. <laughs> good. Good luck to Mike Gapes uh, doing your um, mm. your quest to fitness, like whatever it is that you're going to do. I mean, yeah, get, Mike, Mike Gapes, Gapes is destined for. Yeah. Uh, to, to do a very niche kink porn channel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, with, with just the, for some reason, all the, all the real politic and Trevor Bastard characters subscribing to it. Just a uh, mm. game but, station. But, <laughs> but I would like to move on, of course, uh, to the hospital for a car. Yeah, well, our, um, our, our boy, our special boy, Matt Hancock, was, was murdered by a Momentum-style thug. He was murdered mm. by him. By, actually, he was... He was um, Murdered by uh, a, a force of momentum, elite and Bruce. Yes, exactly. Uh, using a, gravity a fucking, hammers. A fucking yeah. gender studies lecturer from Goldsmiths University hit him over the back with a folding chair, killing him instantly. No, no, I think mm. actually it was. Um, I compromised to a permanent end. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the arbiter came down from high charity, and yes. our boy Matt Hancock's shields were lowered. Just but Matt, no, no. So Matt he, Hancock was assaulted with a laser sword, is the thing. They, yeah. they cut his hair and made him unable to parkour away. So we're uh, we're going to get into what I mean by that shortly. But just to catch everyone up, especially American listeners, uh, a couple days ago there was a photo of. I said yesterday. It was yes. It was not even twenty four hours. It feels like a million years ago. This, this I'm with thing. you 100. percent Yesterday morning, um, the Yorkshire, the Yorkshire Post or, or Yorkshire paper, um, yeah, the Yorkshire Post uh, released a story about a Leeds General Hospital, the Leeds General Infirmary, where that was so overcrowded and so overstretched that like children were having to like sick children couldn't have beds and were having to like lie on piles of coats while yes. getting treated. Which, this- by, by by everyone's understanding, uh happens all the time like routinely yep. up and down the country now um, yes. especially in winter <laughs> Boris very jo- normal Boris Johnson is confronted about this directly uh, by uh, Joe Pike a local journalist from the Yorkshire Post who shows him the picture of this on his phone now as an aside I'd like to also note and we're going to come back to this later that the only people who have managed to cover this election with any kind of what you might call an oppositional um, truth to power journalism mm. have been people lower down the reporting uh, reporter food chain at the big uh, outlets and uh, local journalists from yes. places like the Yorkshire Post or uh, the 
the main Scottish paper as well. Like, these yeah. are <laughs> the main <laughs> what, is, what is it, Alice? What is it, Alice? Uh, Daily Record, the Independent, fuck, or something like this. The- well, uh, do you want the national? Do you want the record? National. Do you want- that's yeah. the one. Okay, yeah. I, I, I forgot. Oh, well, yeah. I, I, the, and of calling, course, calling the national the main Scottish paper is, but it's eh, it's it's fucking it's better than the Scotsman. I'll say that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Sorry, uh, yeah. cancel me for not knowing about Scottish papers. But nonetheless, the story of this has been that regional papers, regional journalists, and non-senior journalists have been the ones that are willing yeah. to actually challenge Boris Johnson because that's the thing. Joe Pike and the Yorkshire Post are never going to get access to the Tory party again, ever. No. They're mm-hmm. shut out now. You know, they're yeah. Go- yeah, the, the, and of they course, are internet in weirdos. Yeah. The only other group who ever hold anyone to account <laughs> is just like people on the internet. It's amazing the extent to which like things which just defy people like Robert Peston, some guy in his bedroom is able to accomplish just by like putting together publicly available information being just like, hmm, this seems pretty fucked yeah. up. Fucking, like, fucking look- Dominic Cummings is master plan uh, it, like bot, shadowy bot network that to try to spin this and was immediately disarmed by somebody searching the words "very interesting" and "pediatric nurse" and finding like two dozen different accounts all tweeting "very interesting." I'm a former pediatric nurse, and this doesn't look real to me. Yeah, no, sorry, they were mm. just they were doing a Greek chorus thing. Yeah, um, but or or even how exactly. like like a, a friend of the show Loki Nash was able to like like out like what three lib dem ppcs is just outright dangers yes like mm. it, 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 has nobody at the bbc heard of just Fucking, searching twitter no citizen journalism is and local journalism are the only kinds left otherwise yeah. you just end up with like access journalism and we have seen where that leads us to so mm. going back to the timeline of the story here, Boris Johnson's immediate reaction while being interviewed by Joe Pike uh, is to stumble over his words and then pocket the journalist's phone. Yeah, um, he, he, he mugged him, basically. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> mugged, he mugged the journalist. <laughs> Boris Johnson is a confidence trickster. Like, <laughs> I, just need to, I just need to make a call to my banker uh, if you would give me a moment. Uh, yeah, because that's the, I think, honestly, it's like Boris Johnson has never faced hard questioning before. No, no. no. He, he, he just crumpled Apart from, from many of his girlfriends, I presume. <laughs> he folds under the tiniest amount and of pressure. Where? Where was this when he was, for instance, mayor of London for several years? And mm. it was just left to, like, two... And I say this with the best will in the world and the best like compliments because they were doing actual journalism, cranks with blogs like named like Boris Watch, catching him out on the like everyday single lies that he kept telling. But then they tur- they really needed reinforcements. Boris mm. couldn't handle this alone. No. So, and this is where this is why I'm reading this story, because it's to get up to this line. <laughs> It's being reported that Matt Hancock has been dispatched to Leeds General Infirmary after a picture printed on the front page of the Daily Mirror showed a four-year-old boy lying on a ward floor because of a shortage of beds. Matt Hancock is in the drop pod. He is strapped in uh, (laughs) on a suborbital velocity. Spartan Matt, Matt, Spartan Spartan Matt 117. I have no last name. He is ready. He is ready to teach that boy to jump over a park bench. (laughs) I I was like, when I saw this, I I, I said, like, warning, Matt Hancock is no longer contained. Like, there's two ways of interpreting this. You can either do Spartan Matt 117 or or SCP Matt Hancock, who has escaped his containment. I just, I just, I just like that. Matt, Matt Hancock going to the hospital. It's like, 
Matt, where are you going? Uh, to give the hospital back, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Just how, Finishing how this act. fucked are you that you have to do damage control and the guy that you send, your yeah. number one pick, is Matt Hancock. This Labrador. Yeah. Your elite force. Yeah. Matt Matt Hancock is having to like bring all these people out of retirement and convince them to resolve their differences to solve this problem at the hospital. He's like, listen, I know that Amazon Alexa and Google Home have had their differences in the past, but I think if we can work through that, we can just about save Leeds General Infirmary. We're, we're all firing on very different cylinders here. Mm. You're doing an Ocean's Eleven thing. Mm. Uh, Alice is doing an Unleash the Beast thing. Yes. And I'm mm. fully committed to Halo Matt Hancock. No, Matt, I, I'm, I'm Matt Hancock SCP. He is this strange, yeah. unknowable cosmic phenomenon that just imbues innovation into mm. things. I can actually really buy into like Han- Halo Matt Hancock because I can imagine him being convinced for a photo op to like dress up as Master Chief. Yes, for some reason. True. Because it's like innovative, but he like accidentally buys like a kinky Master Chief costume and it's all like body tight latex. And he's just going like, Wow, what an interesting costume. I think this would be this would be great for you know jumping over a sign or something. Stupid sexy Hancock. <laughs> Stupid sexy well, I mean, Hancock. We, we kind of did get that. Oh yeah. So that's one thing. We're gonna run down a few of our favorite Matt moments this election. Um so uh, mark down your bingo cards and actually write down your favorite Matt moment this election and mm. uh, send it to, on a postcard to the Trash Future Studio. Uh, mm. Find out the address yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dox you know, us. S- send, yeah. Find, Do not no, dox us. Send, your, send uh, a Matt Hancock favorite election moment to a friend or family. Don't yeah. give them context. Actually, hang on. Ma- mail it to Matt Hancock. That'll confuse him. <laughs> I don't think we're allowed to do that. <laughs> Sure, well, he's yeah, a public then, figure. He's got a public. True. It's not abuse. It's yeah. just like, this was my favorite no, Matt Hancock election yeah, moment. That, that, that is, that is, you're encouraging people to get to send him fan mail. That's the opposite yeah, exactly. of a crime. Yeah, do not, do not send him threats. No, because there is, this that is, will is get absolutely back to us. the, the, the absolutely only fan no mail. irony, right? Like yeah. we are 100 yeah. percent sincere. We want our special boy to get some like plaudits. We want him to know that people appreciate what he's doing. So, mm. look, uh, Milo, do you want to start off with your favorite Matt moment this election? <laughs> My favorite Matt Hancock moment. My and I advocate... perfect Sunday. Uh, I think... <laughs> Matt Hancock Sunday, featuring My Bloody Sunday. Time. Perfectly encapsulates the frustration of a Sunday. Um, <laughs> uh, no, for me, uh, my favorite... And I think this ranks in, like, the all-time greatest Matt Hancock moments because it really encapsulates the extent to which he is just the dog from Homeward Bound <laughs> put into the machine from the fly with, like, the body of a government minister. Because um, he was being interviewed by Kay Burley about his plans to rejuvenate the NHS. And he said, now, it takes a lot to be held to account by Kay Burley. So just strap in <laughs> well, she, this. she is very good at interviewing dogs. Sadness yeah, in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he says... Uh, well, this is happening up and down the country. It's happening from Wigan to Warrington. And then Kay Burley says, those two aren't very far apart, actually. It's about a half hour drive. And then and then Matt Hancock, without missing a beat, grinning from ear to ear, just goes, it's also happening in Cornwall. 
<laughs> the three genders. The three genders. It's, it's like he maybe he started in Cornwall. He got a flight up up to like the northeast, mm. and he was like, as far as I can remember, these are the northwest, only but uh, continues. northwest, whatever. It's these beautiful. are the only bits of the. I I, I actually knew that. I did just misspeak. Mm. Uh, these are like these are the only parts of the country I'm aware of. <laughs> I assume I'll learn about some more tomorrow. I love learning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks that everyone sounds like Liam Gallagher or a pirate. Those are the only accents he's aware of. Um. So, uh, Alice, what's your favorite Matt moment this election? My favorite Matt Hancock moment this election is a late, late entry, but it's the video that we just saw where the local candidate for, I don't fucking know, somewhere, did a like a, a piece to camera with him. And for the. Mm. It like, sure was a piece. Oh, yeah. I'll say. And for the whole, uh, like, two minutes of that clip, he is standing. Like so close to her, it's very unnerving. She tries to step away from him at one point, um, and he he sort of talks much too loudly and much too quickly, and also uh, mm. is is kind of having a a, a visibly uh, a nice time. <laughs> he's trying to shield her body from potential attack. <laughs> he's just he's very excited. Yes, and it's got his heart rate up. It, and his, it, is, his veins. it is literally like he is like. A golden retriever, and he he looks like he is about to start humping her leg. It's incredible. Uh, he is just he mm. is. So, this is why, on my sort of uh, theory of Tories, Matt Hancock is actually like a closer to a David Brent than an Alan Partridge mm. because mm. he there's has, no cynicism to him. No, and he also just has this sort of baseline assumption that people actually do like him and want to be around him, whereas yes. Alan Partridge knows everyone hates him. He's he's quite a lot like um, uh, David O'Hanrahan from the day to day. They're just like constantly out of his depth. Just constantly wants people to tell him he's doing a good job. Will say anything just to stop the line of questioning. <laughs> so we could actually we could actually make this a four quadrant system. Mm. We have Alan Partridge in terms of like uh, of sort of evil cynicism versus evil um, gormlessness. Yes, mm. Alan Partridge, David Brent. And then on the bottom of, of incompetence, we have Peter O'Hanra Hanrahan. And then uh, what do we have at the top for, for competence? What's, what is Malcolm Tucker? They think they're fucking Malcolm Tucker. Like, yeah. yeah, like this is the, 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 the Simon Hedges tweet. This is just like in mm. the thick of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, except that, of course, that like Malcolm Tucker is actually competent as a character. Malcolm yeah, Tucker, true. they're all afraid. Malcolm Tucker always wins. That's why they're always afraid of Malcolm Tucker. Yeah. You need like a like a shit like Andy Coulson, uh, like, uh, Sherlock Holmes, because Sherlock fuck. Holmes is it's totally unrealistic, but sort of puts him because the whole idea of Sherlock Holmes is that he closes his eyes and then the screenwriters just solve the problem. He's not Sherlock Holmes from the books. Just, it's the, the, the character is the book Sherlock Holmes. Stuck on the idea of Holmes. Laura Koonsberg having like the. Paul's looking bad for labor and then like flapping it away and it coming back in a slightly different font. Just <laughs> incredible. Yeah, so the, they're the TV Sherlock. And so yes. the TV Sherlock or the TV Peter O'Hanrahan. Mm. And every single Tory can be put on that four quadrant axis. Yeah. So, for example, Matt Hancock is in the, bo- <laughs> is in the <laughs> bottom right. Yeah, and then there's Dominic Raab, who's just kind of like the thing from the Fantastic Four. Dominic Raab is um, top, but is sort of top left. So yes. he's this is really confusing. No, he's, yeah, because he's he yeah, is. If, if only we had some kind of a visual medium to present no, this. No, no. Uh, this yeah. is my new grand unified theory. Anyway, my favorite Matt moment. 
uh, is when he wrote an article saying we will give every child the best possible start in life by ensuring they get the best possible possible medical care as soon as they enter the world, which doesn't it doesn't mean, of course, you know, funding like maternal health care because no. that's not it's not an app, it's not inventive, it's not technology, it's not fun. Uh, predictive, preventive, preventative, and personalized healthcare. Ah, uh, he got, uh, he's got the alliteration. And whole genome sequencing and genomics <laughs> is going to play a huge part in that. So we're going to sequence literally everybody's genome from birth yeah. so that in 70 years, someone will probably make them a predictive cancer medication. Well, people that- with this genome also bought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're also going to catch a lot of serial killers. So oh, for sure. Impossible oh, to say yeah. whether it's bad or not. And like, you know, again, we've, we've <laughs> talked people about the royal family going, that's bad. <laughs> we talked about this with uh, with Nick Cernick, right, where the whole point of like public like public, a public database that's that's not doesn't identify you necessarily, but a public interest uh, genomic database where you can get your genome sequence should you want to is good. It's a good thing because things like personalized medicines are very good. Well, Riley, I, all- I hear what you're saying, but what if we did that, but it was all like under the dome of Jeff Bezos's all-encompassing shiny head? Mm. Yeah, what, what if we just put all... What if uh, Jeff Bezos was able to transfer his consciousness into the genome computer and then was as yes. intelligent as everyone in England? Mm-hmm. What then? Well, mm. well, what if we are all Jeff Bezos? We become the Bezos yeah. hive mind. Oh, we're in a dr- yeah. yeah. It's a hot- so this is Matt. Matt and Hancock it's in space just- for some reason. You see, yeah. this is the most chaotic arrangements of trash future hosts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've gone from like fucking trying to describe a graph that one of us invented to <laughs> full existential crisis. Uh, I really want to see. Do you remember? Do you remember that? Like, this is like a fucking old YouTube video now, but of the guy do- doing the hot crazy matrix for like dating women, <laughs> where he talks about like the fun zone and the danger zone. And for some reason, he's wearing a, he's wearing a pistol in a holster during this entire presentation. As, as one is, yeah. Yeah. So, so I just imagine Riley doing that with a gun for no reason you know, it's to show you that you're not a threat because you have a gun, but you're not using it. Yeah, exactly. psychology, the origin baby. of the handshake. Uh, okay, yeah. so arming John McDonald is last year. Arming Riley is this mm. year. I want to go back to uh, I want to go back to the story here. John McDonald just in with the back gloves with the fiber wire. I want to go back. To, I want to. I'm going back to the story. I'm going back to the story. Because uh, yeah, then there was a punch back on topic. Bitch. Yeah, that's it. Back to Winnipeg, <laughs> then, then, and we're going back to the Winnipeg of what I have then written down in the notes. So then there was the punch, uh, and then Laura Koonsberg, Robert Peston, and the rest of them all immediately tweeted they heard from a senior Tory source, quote unquote unquote, that a labor protester at the hospital had punched one of Hancock's aides. These claims flew everywhere. Headlines were written. Yeah, articles were rapidly penned, and been so an on. MS thirteen style attack uh, so, by an Antifa what, thug. Hmm. So the then it, it emerged, and this is another headline, aides initially briefed that Hancock's advisor had been punched in the face and tried to point the labor, finger at a labor thug. But a video that emerged 20 minutes later <laughs> appeared to show the advisor walking into a protester's arm. Not even mm. the arm, a finger, like a, a, yeah. a, an outstretched finger of a sort of older yeah. gentleman. So when they said a momentum-based attack, what they meant was uh, he was a victim yes. of his own momentum in the, as he was propelled into <laughs> well, a protester's yeah, well, arm. Well, that's their defense, is that when they were texting Laura, they meant they said, they said the small M momentum. Mm. <laughs> What's amazing about the video when you watch it is that the guy has his arm out 
during the whole video, pointing. Yes. His arm doesn't move. His and the guy arm, walks into it. In a face... fluorescent jacket. Yeah, and the guy walks into it face first. Like, he doesn't back into it. Like, it's at eye level, and he just yeah. walks straight into It's amazing. Oh, he was trying to do a false flag attack on himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to run headlong into whatever outstretched labor arm I can find. <laughs> mm. And the thing is, right, like, the story here for a, a media that wasn't completely beyond repair would be where be, the country is based, where they're trying to, there are senior Tory people who are trying to lie to the country through us. But all mm. they did was apologize, say, oops, another oopsie, whoopsie doodle, yet again. Um, ah, they got me. Yeah. Well, it's too bad uh-huh. that the Conservative Party has yet again painted a gigantic black like circle on the side of a cliff, and I, Laura Koonsberg, have sprinted <laughs> straight into it. Well, like, I, f- I forget which <laughs> Wiley Coons Cody. journalist said it, but the uh, th- they had an explanation for this that was sort of like, a lot of people seem to think that uh, what journalists say on, on Twitter should be like held to the same standard as their editorial output. Uh, whereas a lot of journalists tend to think of it as just being like a notepad where you can dash off half-formed thoughts. Uh, a notepad that like thousands yeah. upon thousands, thousands of people read, like a normal notepad. And for some reason, all of the things that I keep putting into this notepad keep turning out to be Tory smears. Um, mm. I, I never do like a labor thing by accident that I'm just, while well, I'm just lackadaisically yeah. like dashing these things off. Well, that's how we find out that they're Tory smears, is that Laura Koonsberg puts them on their notepad, and then people say, Uh oh, that's a Tory smear, and then Laura Koonsberg is like, thank you for your output. I won't be writing that one down again. If only only there was some kind of an app on phones that let you take notes. No, only Mm. Twitter. (laughs) That's the other thing, right, is the other defense of them, they are constantly making this, uh, doing this, is, oh, well, let's see you do that job. And it's like, no, I see. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. We, there are people doing that job, and they're not doing client yes. journalism, and, the, and they're getting mm. mugged by the prime minister. This fucking yeah. phone stealing <laughs> thug. When will um, leaders in, in the conservative way, community we all been mugged by violence? the prime minister? Mm. Uh, so we also get right. Um, you know the. Uh, I'm going to skip over a few things here, right? Because I don't want to focus on the hospital thing too much because it has been done to death by every other source, like just by sheer persistence. Yes. And which luck it, which as it well. should have been. Mm. Yeah. Uh, like, what I, what it's I mean an is, important story, but like, what I mean, yeah. Right. What I, what I mean is, it's by luck that there was video of that incident that shows that they were lying. Otherwise, we would have no idea. Mm. It was by luck that someone decided to check on the um, Facebook like story that was circulating afterward that says the whole thing with the boy on the coats was a lie. It was by luck that someone did that. And then the BBC later, like a day later, picked up that it was a lie. And a lie connected to Matt Hancock, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's like Facebook friends with like the originator of the story. Uh, I, just, of course, in 2019, fake news and like elections and election interference would come down to Facebook drama. And just fucking I... Matt Hancock writing on our collective wall at three in the morning. At least I raise my kids. Yeah, I, I accept everyone's friends requests, but only to encourage them to connect with me on LinkedIn, where I feel much more important networking is done. Well, right. Like th- what I, I don't want to belabor this segment too much. But right. what it shows to me is that like the BBC is I-, I used to think that it's good that we have a public service broadcaster. There are some problems with it, that it needs to overhaul how it, what its relationship is with the government, perhaps. But like it's basically salvageable. 
Yeah. I fully no longer believe that. Well, like, the BBC I, is I, irreparable. I, I had the same experience a couple of years ago because during the referendum, I was fully laughing at Scottish nationalists being uh, Zoomers and being like, ah, Evan Davis and the entire audience of Question Time are all individual plants controlled by MI5. Um, but no, it, it turns out it actually is that bad. It's It's yeah. perhaps not as cartoonish as they imagined it but no they were right i was wrong uh the bbc is mm. just ir- irredeemable um and, yeah. but i think also it's like it, it's not even as it's not even as competent as that it's not i don't no, think that like no, of course i don't not. think the bbc is even really like running cover from the tories they just like swallow they just swallow a tory narrative like they just like they accept them as the kind of like natural rulers and like what they say as being like professionally produced spin at the very least yeah. and so then they and they just kind of unthinkingly parrot the things that they say in quotation marks or otherwise yeah. without well, like proper like applying critical well, Thoughts and being well, like, well, Boris Johnson said this. Well, I don't know. Make of it what you will, townsfolk. There, there was kind of a, there are a couple of people I think who like are more knowing and who do get these sources and who presumably are going to be fine anyway because even if the BBC decides that they don't want them to be working for them, they're just going to fucking go and be PRs for the Tories anyway. But yeah, I think there is like uh, an in, an inherent sympathy. Uh, in like the upper ranks of broadcast journalism to the Tories, and you just you can't really do anything about that. Well, I mean, it's ever there's everything going on there. I think Milo, you're more or less right in that as well. Like there is a, there's deference because you know you need to be deferential to the government if you mm. want to keep getting access to them. By the way, Labour does manage to pull off a um, a government probably in coalition with the SNP uh, today. Imagine Laura Koonsberg trying to get access to that particular n- uh, number 10. Mm. Mm. That's, a, that's to, a pleasant thought, yes. That's a very ple- let that carry you to the polling station. Mm. But also, um, think, about, think, like, think about just the fact that the BBC, uh, because it's funded by license fee payers and is, um, it, it's, it, it knows that it's sort of in competition with the other networks, so it knows it needs to be sensational. It mm. knows equally that, like, it, it needs to maintain access or other people are going to beat it to the punch and so on. And so what Boris says is, what, is news. And then now, and the, immediately after their claim was Boris lies, like Boris lies about this punch or Matt Hancock lies mm-hmm. about this punch. And then Labour claims the Tories lied. It's, so anything Labour says is Labour claims. And I think it is just psychotic. It's not an, a, a conspiracy. It's psychotic levels of deference that are built into the way the organization is structured. And there is no mm. saving it. Yeah, and also though, like a lot of people made very good points about this, with this, which is like the right has been very effective in doing and like exploiting like people's conceptions of what balanced reporting is yeah, to course. just get like barefaced lies reported as like one side of the debate. When in fact, like the job of any reasonable journalist is not the job of a town crier, right? They, but that's how they see their role is just going like, "Hear ye, hear ye!" Here's, here's what fucking Nigel Farage says, or whatever. Like, no, your job is to like assimilate the information and apply like critique to it and present it in a form that's digestible to ordinary people. It's like, well, we fact check that, and that's a lie. That checks out. That doesn't. Like that. Yeah. That's what you're not supposed to just be like, "Well, here's the two sides of the yeah. debate. One of them says racism is good, so I guess that's a valid position now." Yeah, it's like, well, you decide. And it's like, no, yeah. no, 
No, I'm don't no, thinking, don't do that. I'm just thinking of the idea that the BBC are, as has long been, they've been long accused of, all secretly Marxists. But they're secretly Marxists in the way that they have internalized so deeply that their role as part of the mass media is to be <laughs> uh, the superstructure and to like deliver this ideology that they're like, yes, let's just do that. That's okay, that's so, what. That, that, mm. that, yeah, fuck. So, that's so that's our job. That's our role. Really quick, as we get off this segment, I want to sort of point out two more things. Another failure of the of BBC is to say that they wrote a, they wrote a story about fa- uh, falsehoods in election ads. Eighty eight percent of Tory eighty eight percent of Tory uh, ads this election are misleading or outright lies. None of Labour's are were found to be lies, but they framed it as general election adverts are dishonest across I, I the spectrum. Yeah, mm. on average, forty four percent of all parties' ads are lies. And you know, uh, you know what? When you when you think about like if you think about what people who defend the BBC say, they say, "Well, everyone on the right thinks it's biased to the left, and everyone on the left thinks it's biased to the right. It must be doing something right." No, shut up. You have the brain of a canary. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Get like literally. You you have you have no ability to interpret content, and you have the, a brain full of wet pudding. You do not belong in media <laughs> criticism. You should, in fact, a a, a good. A, you know what? A compassionate and labor-run state will take care of you, but you should not have a job of any kind because mm. you are you do you simply cannot interpret the world around you in anything except relational terms. UBI cannot, for those people. That's yes. the worst. UBI take. for those fucking dumbasses. Um, <laughs> but here's the other thing, right? Um, you know, the uh, the Sun published a left of hard left infiltrators in Britain sourced from something that was even like all of Jeremy Corbyn's staff, everyone from Momentum and everyone from Novara sourced from a group called Aryan Nation. And it well, wasn't sound a like story. a normal bunch of lads. It wasn't well, not, a story. Not just, not just Aryan Nation, but also something called the Millennium Report, which is fully like on board with like one world Jewish government conspiracy theory shit, too. It's weird, because out of the two, you would think Aryan Nation sound worse. (laughs) You really would. Like, out of, like, you know, Millennium, whatever the fuck they're called. I mean, that just sounds like a sort of, like, charity set up by Robbie Williams. But, like, Aryan (laughs) Nation definitely is ringing a lot of bells. Um, But, yeah, remember those uh, broadcasting rules that we all thought uh, helped get our upswing in 2017? Yeah. Still waiting for those to kick in. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's it's cool that we can just kind of decide that those don't matter. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I suppose the only reason it seemed like they mattered last time was, I guess we forget so quickly that our our manifesto was leaked and it was then broadcast by everyone all at once to hurt us because they didn't realize it would be popular. Mm. So more fool us for expecting that that yeah. would be meaningful. They just they just did the first paragraph of a Spectator article, but with the whole Labour manifesto. <laughs> well, like, oh, I suppose you think that, you know, racism is bad, and, you know, the disabled should have dignity. Oh, the lame, am I right? Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, shit. So and it, this, here's the thing, right? And this is going to close out this section. Whatever we have achieved this election, any result tomorrow, any any number at all of votes, we have achieved not just without, but despite the press. Yes. And the most mm. important lesson we can possibly take from this is regardless of who's forming a government on Friday, the left's first job should be building more and better and more broadly consumed media outposts because fucking without more of that, they're literal we will never be able to stop Tom Newton Dunn from like being like, hmm, the top ten the top ten socialists who put the socialism back in <laughs> national socialism or articles of this nature. Uh, yes. I mean you'd love to say it. Mutual aid. Mutual aid. Podcasting yeah. is mutual aid. Uh, and also exactly. can I say very briefly before we close this out that I'm so disappointed 
that they had this fucking Nazi kill list and none of us were on it? Uh, I have very bad anxiety. I'm not disappointed I was not on it. I, I was fucking disappointed. There was there was this gap next to Navara that's like, hmm, every, all of these cultural Marxists at Navara talk to all of these cultural Marxists from all of these other places, and then there's a weird trash future-shaped gap on the chart. Put us on the chart. I'm no, going to write, not, uh, I'm gonna write no, to the not, Nazis and get them to put us on no, the chart. No, do not put us on the chart. I'm just imagining, like... Do not put us on the chart. Alice's ultimate fantasy, like like end of a diehard film style, like Alice is lying in hospital <laughs> after the Aryan terrorist d- attack is over, and then they're like, and they're like, "Mom, are you okay? You're a shard," and it's like, "It's okay, son. They only hit me in the dick." <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. trying to finesse this, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just doing a Matrix dodge, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> just certain part of yourself into the path of the bullet, <laughs> just absorbing, absorbing all of the gunfire, dick first. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, oh, but also by the time this episode will have come out, gyds gettingyourdicksuck.com <laughs> will have launched. <laughs> so if you want some alternative left media all up in this bitch, send your pitches to gyds.com, we baby. We did it. We BBC hoops. I want to end our final episode of our 2019 general election series with a reading that looks to the future and returns to the beginning of our episode. That's right. Friedland's back. Ah, oh, Friedland's section. We're, talk- oh, no. we're talking be- about Jonathan Friedland again, and he has written an article that's wondering about Labour's future. Um, Jesus Christ. And he is, <laughs> and t- credit to him, it has nothing to do with sort of trying to read tea leaves as to what's going to happen today. It is about how Labour reconciles its future as a party of two constituencies. Mm. Let's find a tale of two cities, if let's, you will. Let's mm. find out what he's saying. There's a fault line running through labor. Can it ever be healed? Whatever happens on Thursday, an act of reconciliation will be necessary. Not between the winning and losing parties, but within one of them. The divide I have in mind is among the millions of people who either used to or still do identify themselves with labor. It's been just now. The next paragraph is a central reading to understand the content of um, of this article. But I it is one of the single worst pieces of writing I have ever ever come across in my entire life so try to follow along we're we're also all of our brains have been thoroughly melted by uh, the past month of electioneering so like we're none of us Mm. in the right cognitive uh, function level to understand this Okay, so check this out. Yeah, hit us. It, it's been discussed often, but it's rare to see it in a single room. That's what I witnessed this week in the marginal seat of Dagenham and Raynham. For the second time in a matter of days... What, 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 what did he witness? It. it. Yeah, no, it's it. He's at it like four times. That's what he was witnessing. He's oh, trying to be clear. Pennywise the clown. Yeah. That was what. Yeah, <laughs> I get the, it. For the second time in a matter of days, I was eavesdropping on a focus group of voters, this time brought together especially for the <laughs> eavesdropping Guardian. Eavesdropping makes it sound like he wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he's just, just in the trees opposite with binoculars it's so strange he just it does like he's an awful writer like every single sentence just drags on forever and you have no idea what he's talking about how much does this guy get paid again oh just a lot he has (laughs) to go get ubi as well Uh, in fact it was the two groups the first made up of leavers the next remainers sitting around talking politics with the facilitator in sessions of 90 minutes each but it wasn't the brexit referendum that they were discussing you could guess before anyone opened their mouths which group was which. All but one of the leavers were white, and all but one of the remainers were young. Ah, oh, the two genders. Yeah, those, uh. those two. Mm. White, those white, th- white and young. <laughs> the two races. Mm. Uh, the two ages. You know, when you're, bo- you're born young and you grow up to be white. <laughs> you, do, you really do. Um, and I, I haven't really edited out much in the next two paragraphs. Because oh, good. Because this you is, want us again, to suffer. 
this is the core of, of, of I think, most of Friedland's beliefs and why he has gotten the idea of where the future of the Labour Party is completely wrong. The first group, older, whiter, and more working class, you know, those uh, rich... <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, as you get older, you become whiter and working class. Which I of presume course. Jonathan Friedland judges based on accents and flat caps alone and nothing yeah. else. Size of flat cap <laughs> is the key, the key determining yeah, metric. As, as you get older, the brim of the flat cap stretches out before mm. you. Number of greyhounds owned. Also, uh, <laughs> well, welcome to Nate, who has arrived in studio. Hi. Yeah, the overground was delayed today. Sorry, I've been uh, having a bit of a day. Welcome. So we're going to start nationalize it, though. That would be bad. The first oh, actually, the overground's already nationalized. It is nationalized. Ignore that. Fine. fine. The first group, Jesus. older, whiter, and more working class, liked Boris Johnson, or were at least ready to indulge him, but they couldn't stand Jeremy Corbyn, finding him weak, indecisive, and old-fashioned. Old old We read Boris Johnson's book, and it's a collection of the finest slurs of the 1890s. Mm. Also, in the Tory manifesto, they promised to restrict ground rate raises to a peppercorn. The man's <laughs> fucking old-fashioned. But Damn. here's here, even though Jeremy Corbyn is older and whiter than most of them. Here's the uh, here is the here's the quote that they, that Friedland takes. If he was a TV program, he'd be Dad's Army. Where would he go on holiday? Bournemouth by coach. These people fucking love Dad's Army. It's very weird for them to be like, oh, I don't like, he'd be Dad's Army. Whereas, like, Dad's Army is the most Brexit program ever. That's it's true. a bunch of, like... Wouldn't, wouldn't the better thing to be, like, Citizen Smith or something like that to make fun of him for being some, like, mm. corny 70s revolutionary? I have no idea. Uh, I think he, he's just trying to say, ah, oh, he's he's not cool in 90s. He's old school in 90s. What mm. is Dad's Army if not a bunch of old white British dudes, like, marching around pretending they're doing something, basically doing paintball, and like pretending they're going to win a war with the continent. Well, I think what they mean is he's not an exciting American Americanized TV show with action and stunts. He's so mm. he's sort of milk toast, which is again what what is it? I, it's very strange. But again, remember Friedland is an idiot. Mm. Uh, by contrast, yes, the second do, do not forget that at any point. By contrast, the second group, younger, more diverse, and often with a degree, were full of praise for the labor leader, Ooh. seeing him as you a man of principle. You can't be working class if you're diverse or you have a degree. No, if you're. No, working, it's not like every fucking job wants a degree now. Yeah, it's actually not a job. It's um, it, what you're doing is if you work for like a communications company mm. as a team leader, you're actually taking aristocratic rent from that company. Yeah, the the in exchange. only working class job is in the dick sucking factory. Yeah. It, I literally if, saw if, you, if your company has offshored the dick sucking factory and now you work in data entry for the fucking uh, like data center for the dick sucking factory network, you are not working class. I hate it when I'm trying to get my dick sucked, but I get put through to a call center in Mumbai. <laughs> I mean, apropos of nothing, I recently saw an article discussing factory and precision manufacturing jobs in the United States, which apparently even working, you know, the fucking machinery on the shop floor, the factory floor requires a college degree yeah. because it, it's a variety of things where they're like, no, we don't want employees who haven't gone through university education. So Friedland doesn't know this because he doesn't care because Friedland's the, he's, he's just basically a big concern troll from the Guardian. But like, huge shock that he you know this is the conclusion he comes to well, mm. we're gonna we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the big money sentence of this article in a moment um but these the young the young diverse non-working class people with their aristocratic jobs uh mm. they were full of praise for the labor leader seeing as a man of principle well johnson was a racist again i wonder why you could see him that way mm. uh, but again it's, it's not uh, like he wrote a whole book 
about how racist <laughs> he is. No, I, it's I, honestly like regardless of like what people's misgivings might be about Jeremy Corbyn. Like I had my misgivings about Jeremy Corbyn initially back in the day. Over time, the more you look at Jeremy Corbyn, the more he just seems like a guy who means the shit that he says, and that terrifies people. Mm. But how, how people are still like playing peekaboo with what Boris Johnson clearly fucking is amazes me. Like how, like literally, Boris Johnson is wandering around with his pants around his ankles with a huge sign saying, I'm a big, fat, dumb, wet racist. And people are going like, this guy, you know, he's, he's mysterious. He's an enigma wrapped up in a... But I think, you know, business could get behind this guy. He, he watches the first scene of Die Hard 3 on repeat because he thinks he loves the costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, the everyone thing, I mean- saw him. We've all seen him doing it. There is video of him just stealing a guy's phone because he didn't like what was on it. That's... Jonathan- he was proving that uh, white people also take phones. He was doing anti-racism. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, but the thing right. with Jonathan Friedland, I mean, I'm just going to say this. Jonathan Friedland has a selective thing that he gets upset about, it, anything involving Jeremy Corbyn, and literally the conservatives dedicated a Nazi statue and not a peep from Jonathan Friedland. Mm. He did, however, libel a fucking counselor from Birmingham yes, because he, he mixed up the, he, two, two people who had the same name and couldn't do the so, most basic due diligence. So... I really have zero, just zero fucks to give what he thinks about whether or not racism is bad or whether racism is good or whether you have to be racist to appeal to working class people who apparently, it doesn't matter how much they earn or what they do for a living, they just have to have, dress like Rupert the fucking bear and wear a flat cap. Mm. Like, I just don't care. So, <laughs> oh, Paul Nuttall. Here, we're, we're, we're get, we are get, we're building to the money sentence. It's one more sentence till we're there. So the former were skeptical of Labor's manifesto promises, worried there was no, quote, magic money tree and they were going to end up footing the bill via their taxes. The latter liked free broadband and free tuition fees. You know, yeah, here's it sounds the money. like you talk to like talk to a room full of fucking idiots and then a room full of normal mm. people. Here's here's the revealing sentence. Most revealing was the difference in attitude uh, towards the two railway stations serving the area. Dave, a former trade unionist with memories of the old Ford plant in Dagenham, joked that the area's biggest problem was an influx of Europeans. I'm not you sure know, that's a, a joke. A former trade unionist with memories of the Ford plant in Dagenham. Mm. What's he doing now, Jonathan? Well, is he a landlord fairness, or a small business owner, perhaps? In mm. fairness, the union was the BUF. <laughs> I mean, I'm joking, but barely. Didn't the BNP run candidates in Barking and Dagenham? Yeah, they're yes. they're frequent. They were they had a lot of uh, councillors in the two uh, thousands. And Oswald Mark- Mosley actually opposed the British Union of Fascists because he was hoping just to keep fascists on lower wages. But <laughs> they, they banded together and demanded contract. better better working hours. Jesus. Um. Yeah, and he worried the area was becoming too crowded and new stations would only make it busier still. Meanwhile, David, a team leader in a communications company, was glad they were coming. They'd bring money into the and jobs into the area by making London closer. So that's the thing, right? David, we know what job he does, and he does a job. But Dave is just... Well, we know he's a working class person because of his connection with the working class yes, in the 1970s. He has, he has these... These mm. cultural signifiers. If this were in the States, he would have a truck. A truck that would cost $200,000 and, like, <laughs> destroy yeah. every small child near it with fucking, like... Uh, <laughs> rolling yeah, coal. Just rolling coal to the point where yeah. he's contributing to, like, an entire state with the emissions. Like an Australian politician on campaign. Um, yeah, I mean, th- this is, like, this mad thing as well where they just, like, they, they critique Labour's policies as though they should apl- appeal to more 
morons. Like, they're just like, well, this policy uh, that you've got that's a good policy, here's the thing. Some dumb people think that it does the opposite of that. And they actually think that- Barry Shippies, uh, buy-to-let landlord, has some serious reservations. Well, who gives a fuck? And he thinks the country can't afford it. Even though, like, 170 of the country's leading economists say that we absolutely fucking can, Barry Dickhead from Wankton actually has worked it out on the back of a fag packet, and he's convinced that the jam granddad can't make it work. And it's like, well, sorry, Barry, but I don't give a fuck what you think, and neither should any respectable journalist. Well, that's all the, the biggest thing. The biggest thing here, Jonathan Friedland wants a sock puppet working class person that agrees with his weird, uh, like insecurities about being too upper middle class as a guardian fucking columnist and so as a result like he's created the situation in which obviously this guy like you said probably is a buy to let landlord who purchased fucking the assets of the great state sell-off in the 1980s and now has a ton of money like those people who were burning the effigy of grenfell in fucking like where where the, the uh, fuck it was, it was. not in Croydon yeah. but it was between Croydon and central London yeah. it was like one of those Southern, towns I think yeah uh, yeah it was yeah. Like somewhere in South London yeah yeah uh and Deep. you know that those people like really oh look how working cla- area, look at how, how working class these people are it's like they're mm. all millionaires because they are the, they they're the beneficiaries of the first neoliberal sell off in Britain yeah. they're the kind just, of people and, who can afford to build a ten foot effigy and if, <laughs> and if Jonathan Friedland had any actual politics besides this weird need to fucking undermine anything that he thinks isn't authentically racist in 1970s enough like he'd understand how stupid of an argument this is well so here's the thing he does actually go into this and this is why I wanted to read this article because. Again, no matter what happens today, labor has to f- understand what it's going to be tomorrow, either either in in whatever scenario. And and we have to make sure we're inoculated against the nonsense of Jonathan Friedland, where he are, he then continues. Some have argued that despite its name, labor should all but write off its old white working class base in the once industrial town and organize itself around younger, socially liberal graduates in major cities. Um, Who don't work, of course. And it's like, They're uh, not workers. And, and it's the thing. Jonathan Friedland has spent the entire last three years writing about how Corbyn needs to come out and unambiguously back Remain. So w- what is it? Now that he's like basically Remain enough to be make Labour the party of Remainers, Friedland has miraculously found that he needs to pivot the other way mm. and become the party of Leavers. Yeah. But what's- he, he needs to appeal to fucking like uh, working class dog murderers. Like fucking uh, yeah! If you don't have a whippet tied up on a string outside the pub, then you're no longer of a, a, a like a social relevance. Listen, son, where I'm from, you're either racing dogs or you're murdering them. Okay, anything else, and you're a puff. <laughs> he says, and he says that's a crude summary. Yet this approach grates on every progressive instinct that the party of the left should be the party of working people, not just modernity's winners. But that requires public investment. How so much I- of a winner? Do you feel like if you have a degree and you owe a hundred grand on it? And, and furthermore, uh, he writes, For myself, I cling to the view that Labour could have stuck to a Remain stance and still retained the support of Leavers. How? He, 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 mm. You may ask. Mm. Uh, up could By actually doing be down more in this scenario in my head. But, no, none of, it's, he says, but it would have required something like a rerun of Tony Blair's 2005 masochism uh, strategy. The masochism strategy. The alarm. Is when he Tony Which, Blair. First put of him, all, that's my culture, not a costume. On, Tony, hang on. It would require a hundred thousand dead Iraqis for some reason. When he put himself in front of hostile audiences who lacerated him for the Iraq War, absorbing all their invective and gaining grudging credit for facing his critics and sticking to his convictions. 
Tony Blair is Jesus now. Yes. That's the thing. Like Tony Blair died for our sins, right? Did that you, that's the thing there. I want to I want to check something really fast. So 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 banter on because I just had a thought just crossed my mind, mm. and that is it, really really relevant about the 2005 general election in the United Kingdom. So look, give me a second. Okay, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. carry on. We can go back to this. No, it's important. Okay, Actually, okay. I've got it right yeah, up here because yeah, there's because this figure will come up very quickly, and I think yeah yeah that's right. I'm not wrong. Guess what turnout was in the 2017 general election in the United Kingdom? Uh, what, for total electorate? Total electorate. Um, like 20, 16, 17 It was million? like a hair under 69%. Yes. Nice. That's nice. what nice. it was in 2005. What was it? 61%. In 2001, it was 59%. Tony Blair lost 48 seats in 2005. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is here is this, what he's basically saying, like, Labor had the ability to maintain its Scottish seats, and therefore, like, it didn't really matter if they suffered those kinds of losses. It's like, how is this a winning strategy? If Jeremy Corbyn loses 48 seats today when this comes out, Jonathan Friedland is going to be like, purge everyone on the left, go back to Blairism. It's like, but he's also saying go back to Blairism when they basically still lost. Yes, they, yes. they, they stayed in power, but if we lose 48 seats... That's a failure. Well, it's, it, if we, this, if this we, was in the salad days of Scottish Labour's winning electoral strategy of there's nothing you can do, peasants. What are you going to do? <laughs> vote for the nationalists? But, yeah, I mean, because look at this. In 2017, uh, Labour had, they had a little over, uh, correct me, I have the wrong figures there. In 2017, Labour got 12.8, almost 12.9 million votes. Total turnout was almost 69%. Once again, nice. Nice. Uh, in 2005, Labour had 9.5 million votes, got 35% of the vote share. It sw- lost 48 seats. The vote swung down 5.5%. See, Nate, what you've just done is even a little bit of cursory research that questions some of your core assumptions. And Jonathan Friedland doesn't have time for that. No. He's no. too busy because, doing big ideas. Yes, if, 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 if Scotland hadn't swung completely to the fucking nationalists, then yes, we could probably do some losing-ass strategies and still hold on to the Labour government. But we can't, because yes. it doesn't fucking happen anymore. Like, it's just not the same country. And mm. I just don't understand why they always have to defer to Blair. It's like, you know what? There, there are a million things that just don't work anymore. Like, Hove used to be a conservative seat. It used to be a really strong conservative seat. Now it's a really safe Labour seat. Do you know why? Because shit fucking changes. Like the idea that it's always this thing you go back to. It's like, well, I don't fucking know. What should America run on the New Deal coalition, aka like socialism for white people and literal segregation for everyone else? That's what FDR did. Like, it just doesn't work anymore because it's a different world. And like, I wish I could get paid a fucking $200,000 to be this much of a fucking moron at The Guardian and never worry about losing my job. Even more to be like Nick Cohen and like write the same fucking column every week for four years. But I can't. And guess what? Blairism is never coming back. Yeah. Do you know why? Look at Change UK. There it was right in front of you, the perfect fucking sensible party with a charismatic leader. And guess what? They're getting fucking 0% of the vote. The well, rare yeah, Nate's rant. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mark that on your bingo card. The rare corner space. You might have to add that square to your bingo card. Yeah. Yeah. Just re- really does not mm. like the overground, guys. Yeah. <laughs> add a square to your bingo I'm, card I'm, for a Nate I've rant. I've been really stressed about the election. I'm going campaigning tomorrow because we otherwise I'm going to literally have. fucking tear my own hair out. Like, and I don't mm. have a lot of hair to tear out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's getting <laughs> on. So we need we're, to keep the hair all, in Nate's head, folks. Post with this in different ways. For me, it's total, like... Desert of the real. Uh, I'm just going to be drunk for the next week and just total psychotic breakdown. Uh, well, yeah. 
my my ability to keep an ironic distance from all of this has been completely shredded. It's gone. I'm fully crying at labor adverts right now. Like uh-huh. I have, I have. There is no distance between me and this. I'm. I. Mm. I it's. It, the, the, I'm sorry. The podcast is going to be bad now. I <laughs> forgot how to do irony. <laughs> so, yeah. Tomorrow I'll be doing yeah. like something beautifully pointless in a way that makes sense for a podcaster. And I'm like, like spend the day taking my mom shopping, and then we're both going to go and vote. And I, my mom's been very coy about who she's going to vote for, which means she's almost certainly going to shit the bed and vote Tory. So like, I'll be literally making a pointless trip to the polling station as we put in one vote for Labour and one vote for the Tories you- in a Labour Tory marginal seat. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, uh, so well, yeah. Um, I, I honestly, this, this, I don't, I don't even want to finish this Friedland article. He just, he, he, he says some shit about how, like, you know, blue lives matter at the end. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like, if now the one yeah, thing the, that united Dave, these, Dave is definitely a cop if yeah. he's not a landlord. The, like the, he concludes on the thing where it's like you know we, be a cop we have to remember Blair's he actually he goes back to Blair he's like remember Blair's phrase that united everyone across Labour's political spectrum you know how Blair united the left in the center with mm. the phrase tough on crime tough on the causes of crime I thought Shoot, it was education man. education education I thought that was the big Blair phrase fucking it's, it's all the all yeah, that he loved shit. his phrases just that those uh, all that all those like the, those just could have been produced in a Democratic Party focus group phrases that Blair just yes. said yeah. and it didn't really mean being tough on crime did you know that under new labor the percentage of british prisoners for black women doubled why i don't know mm. you just did well i mean for some reason the, Damn, um, they must have driven all those black women to crime by just being in government you know you can uh, i mean that's the thing right you can one of the major things that new labor did was it invented the asbo which criminalized being black and standing around essentially Yep. To so, be fair, a, a, a crime for yeah, sure. Absolutely, I mean, you know, for sure. Well, too, you, too long has that not been a crime? <laughs> so and, and and right, so it's like you know, it's like that's that's really what they're saying, right? Is that oh, you know, we want to get tough on knife crime, and yep. so it's like, look, we just why don't you make Labour a white supremacist party again? Yeah, and it's also like fuck off. Like none of these people who are that obsessed with crime ever live in areas that have crime. They of always live not. in the vi- in the, like the village look. of Little Sutton Pissington, uh, look, and like they've never Milo. seen crime. They've Milo. never seen Wayne crimes. They've never what met if, him. What if there were to be an acid attack in Frome, uh, and mm. uh, I, Tory Vosa, were to be horribly mangled by it? W- will Jeremy Corbyn condemn this? Well, will he? Or, w- or will he just go and meet with the IRA again? Yeah. That's the question. Cannot stop. But the other thing is, right, when these people, they, they hark back even to that fucking Blair phrase of tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. It's like, well, fucking okay then. What are the causes of crime? Oh, yeah. Poverty! Number one! Yeah, the they're... one cause they want to do nothing about! Yeah, they're these t- people, are, they have piss for brains! They can't, they, ah! Why does anyone let them talk? It's maddening! Oh, why do all these people keep committing all these crimes? Oh, I don't know! Maybe because everything's fucking shit! They literally believe in phrenology. They believe that certain people are born to just commit crimes, and the best thing you can do is just euthanize them. Like, that is what they think. And they can't bring themselves to imagine that maybe the world that they have created drives the people it marginalizes to crime because they don't have another choice because they've got to keep paying like fat Terry landlord lardass the the rent every month on the shit fucking flat they live in in fucking Croydon. Why'd Reginald got a new job? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's really we're, hard. All, we're all illegalists now. We're, um, we're just complete. We've been made just so regular by this election. I'm feeling yeah. regular. Like by <sighs> by this point, we're less a podcast and more a gang. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Gapes Gang. <laughs> it's, it's us in real politics. We're, we're, we're the real Gapes Gang. They're the provisional Gapes Gang. Mm. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Um. Yeah. You really we. Well, listen to this on your way to the polling station. Um, yes, uh, we will be live streaming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, too hard. You can't damage your ballot. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Just the right amount of pressure applied to the pencil, please. Yes, please. Make no sure spoiling you- of ballots. <laughs> Do not spoil your ballot. Fuck me. Um, God, remember yeah. when the leave campaign were like, oh, make sure you bring a pen to the ballot station because they'll probably try to uh, falsify your ballot paper. So oh, remember, remember, remember when we used to talk about gadgets and stuff? No. Mm. I don't I re- remember anything anymore. <laughs> I, I, remember be- sure. I remember being like, hey, there's a scale that's like $400 and it tells mm. your boss how fat you are. We were all so young uh, when we started this podcast. We were. Uh, we were. Man. Those were the days. Yeah. Those were the days. I don't know. I don't know what we're like, after this election is like. What what the fucks our Tuesday episode gonna look like? It's gonna look like uh. Oh, I've got t- an idea. Mm, yeah, it's it's gonna look like we have to cut about an hour mm. out of the start. Um, <laughs> mm. It's either gonna be extremely exuberant or extremely infuriated. And either um, way, we're going to libel so many people. Yeah. <laughs> libel, physically threaten, encourage other people to threaten. We are uh, going to do that. We will not do that. No, well, it's the, fine because if the we'll Tories win, If the Tories win, they'll be nauseating. And if the Tories lose, they will melt down. I like, mean, you can guarantee yes. you're kind of, your Julia Hartley Brewers are going to be losing the is, their fucking minds. The thing is, this election is the rare case where it is sort of... It's become extremely difficult to have the usual 2019 thing where everything continues as normal but worse. Something has to give here. Uh, Even if it's like no overall majority in a hung parliament, again, uh, even though that would seem like Mm. normal but slightly worse, it's going to drive all of the worst people insane. Oh yeah, uh, because like that's the like right like the the tor- like the con- no matter what happens like the conservatives they they need a majority because they have no one other than Johnson. There is yes. no one. There's they have no bench. What are they going to have? Andrea <laughs> Michael Le- Gove. Yeah, Michael Gove, Andrea Leadsom, Matt Hancock. Like they have nobody other Matt than Johnson. Hancock for leader. Finally, who could possibly be even minimal? <laughs> who could possibly be minimally popular uh, in Ma- this world? Michael Gove coming through is like that video of the speed skater just coming in last and winning as everyone else in front of him wipes out on the last corner. <laughs> <laughs> A weird government of Tory unity formed of like Michael Gove, Jeremy Hunt. Matt Hancock and Pretty Patel. Uh, oh God! Well, look, don't, I, don't you dare lathe of heaven that. No, I oh, mean, no. what I, I don't. None of us know what's going to happen today, stroke tomorrow. Tune uh, in on Twitch. Uh, we'll link the Twitch in the it's episode description. Yeah, um, uh, we are going to consume substances about this and talk yes, about things. Yeah. Yes. Don't don't tune in if you're gonna like notice libel though, because it is live. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fucking snitch, it's, don't it's tune fine. in. What, what we'll do, we'll give we'll sound. give me a button, mm. and I, I can just bleep things. <laughs> That'll be good. I, I will oh. definitely not use this for comedic purposes. 
But look, I want to leave us on a slightly because just because of the nature of of how I think about things, I'd like to leave us on an upbeat note, mm. which is that Jonathan Friedland has basically written a column that says, well, of course, labor has to go back to Blairism to reunite its old roots and get tough on crime and, you know, fund schools, but, you know, assume that everything is more or less fine. Mm. And that is an argument he's making to himself. Yeah, because we know it's, it's over. All, it's over. All, it's all, done. All it's, bad it's writing. It's dead now. All bad writing is is what it has in common is that, is that the writer has not understood how to step out outside themselves and talk to someone else. Jonathan Friedland, just as Boris Johnson, is talking to himself and working through his own anxieties about the fact that there is a robust electoral force in politics. And I was thinking mm. about this today as well. The di- one of the main differences, aside from policy, between the Obama coalition in 2000, 2008 and 2012 in America... And what we have here is that Barack Obama was a once-in-a-generation orator, a rhetorician, and a, and a genius politician who had dogshit policies. There was no movement behind him. There was no momentum. There was no regional organization. There was a movement to get him elected, yeah. but there yeah. wasn't anything in terms of politics. Exactly. There, yeah. was no, there was no political movement other than just getting him elected and then dispersing back out into the PMC suburbs. Famously, Obama for America didn't share its data with the Hillary campaign because it literally was, it just vanished. It didn't become the DNC in any capacity. And that is, no matter what happens today, the left in this country is not going anywhere. The left in this country is here to fucking stay. Because it's not just about electoralism. Whether we win or lose, we're still going to keep building those networks of mutual aid that see mm. us uh, sending the same 20 bucks around each other's PayPal to pay rent every week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or possibly, yeah. possibly things that are more efficient than that, but I don't know. But we're going to yeah. fucking do something. Can, can, uh, I, can I jump in? Yeah, please. Because I missed a bunch of this episode because I've been freaking out and I was trying to get shit done before I came here and then I got delayed on the train. But I'll tell a little bit of a story. Um, so, you know, uh, 10 years ago today, I was an army officer in Afghanistan, and um, I was in a situation in which a, a suicide bomber detonated a bomb about uh, 400 meters from where I was. Um, I was inside a base. It was out in the city center. And the ensuing bomb, the disaster, basically, I mean, it, it, I believe about 12 people died. I didn't make it to the site of the bomb because we got, we started taking fire so much as we were walking towards it that it was like me and a couple of my soldiers we were just this detachment and I was like it's not fucking worth us going out there and um and getting killed so we held back we reported we did what we were supposed to do and then I thought it was done I was like sweet we got our we got our combat awards because you know I'd just been in a firefight kind of I wasn't shooting back and then they brought a kid um to the gate uh who had been wounded and he's probably about 14 or 15 um and the whole back of his head was blown off uh, and they put a bandage on it but um he was unresponsive. His eyes were moving left to right. Uh, he was kind of groaning and mumbling, but he was unresponsive. And I made a mistake in the sense that I should have lied when I called a medevac for him and just said that he had, you know, a bandage on his head. But because I he, I saw his brain, uh, I said, um, I reported this and I got told, hey, if he's got an exposed brain that he's expecting, he's going to die. He can't do anything. Now we had, we had bed space in our hospital in Toronto. We had another bed in Organi or other hospital in Organi. They could have airlifted him. They probably could have saved him. I don't know what kind of quality of life he would have had. I've thought about this every day in my life since then. Um, but he died because they refused the medevac. And I had to argue and get told, da- told no, stand down. You can't do it. And yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. And it, it sucked. It was the worst day of my life because I, I joined the military thinking I was going to make a difference, thinking that literally if I put myself in like the front line of things that I would be in a position to affect something in such a way that... Um, 
that, you know, I could make a difference. And it's a naive thing to believe in. It's a stupid decision. I shouldn't have joined and no one should join. But um, uh, I did it anyway. And then I was disabused of any idealism I might have had by that experience. It was like it was tailor-made to um, destroy my idealism. And I'll never forget that. And that was 10 years ago today. And I'm actually in a position to be able to support something that I believe in wholeheartedly. And I have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm bracing myself for the possibility that we're going to lose. Because like I said, you win some, you lose some. Sometimes you absolutely cannot do anything. No matter what, you're just fucked. And you go into it and you say, I'm not stopping. I'm going to do everything I possibly can. I've never run so hard in my life as I ran from that LZ back to the cent the operation center to try to send a medevac on the text chat to get this kid saved. And I failed. But I tried and I'm going to try tomorrow and I'm going out and I'll be a little late getting on the live stream, but I'm going to be there because I believe in this. I've yep. never believed in anything like this ever in my lifetime and I'm never going back and no fucking, they can purge me from the party if they want, but no amount of bullshit is going to make me go back on what I've seen with the level of the people coming out, taking time, spending money, doing things they don't have to do because they believe in this. This is what I believe in. This is what we believe in and it's meaningful. So that's, that's it. That's why I'm, I'm insane. That's if you ever wondered why I'm the kind of person I am. But that's just the best way I can phrase it. Never give up and fucking fight to the very end. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It is, it is socialism or barbarism. Uh, it, it, it's either you have, on the one hand, a movement that has some kind of understanding of or respect for human life and human dignity uh that believes that you have value that we all have value that we're all gonna get free of whatever it is together or you have just this band of opportunists and thieves and liars and thugs and bullies and scumbags um and whether they win or not in that loose sense there's still not any kind of a moral victory that they can win. And with that, I think it's time we close out the last episode of this general election cycle. Uh, thank you for being here with us throughout the entire thing. Um, and yeah, we're all we're, we're all going to drag ourselves and each other through this together because uh, this this is rough psychologically, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh boy, and. I guess, I mean, as weird as it is to say, we look forward to seeing you later. Yes. And seeing you tomorrow in what we hope is a better world that we might want, we might have reason to want to live in. Yes. And, and to have and reason. You have to, be, you have to be okay because we need all of you. Um, not just for some like narrow party political point scoring sort of thing, but because this what. A socialist movement is about is about your life having meaning and value beyond just uh, shitty numbers and demographics and all of that. Um, so you have to take care of yourself and you have to like do your best to try to weather the fucking psychic onslaught of all of this cruelty. Mm. And just imagine a black gloved hand of John McDonnell solemnly taking taking the treasury box <laughs> and lifting it in the air and saying, now you're in trouble, lads. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we'll see you tonight. Vote yes. Labour, bitches. Vote Labour. Get out please. there. Yeah. All right. Later.
Thank you.